from Wednesday, June 23rd through Sunday, June 27th, over 4,000 UUs from around the world gathered for our virtual annual General Assembly. And the theme was Circle Round for Justice, Healing, and Courage. Around 2,500 attendees were delegates who could vote on the business of the UUA on behalf of their congregations. And there were 656 congregations represented from 49 states plus DC, Canada, Mexico, and the Philippines. We spent the week learning, challenging one another, growing and doing the business of our association, which included deciding what collectively is most important to us as UUs during this time. Reverend Dr. Susan Frederick Gray, who is our UUA president, shared the UUA's current priorities with us, and I wanted to share them with you. The first is ongoing support for congregations as they navigate the pandemic and post-pandemic realities. And the UUA continues to offer us guidance on how best to approach safety, inclusion, and reopening matters. So we're taking all of that into concern as we make our local plans. Secondly, the UUA is helping implement the recommendations made in the report widening the circle of concern last year. Now, our Chalice board read this study over the past year, and they are looking for ways to begin applying it in our congregation. Now, this report by the Commission on Institutional Change gives ideas for how we can live into our faith's anti-racist, anti-oppressive, and multicultural aspirations. We're also hoping that other groups at Chalice, such as perhaps our racial justice team and others, might read and reflect on the report this year. Thirdly, the UUA is working on strengthening the association's justice and organizing capacities. Now, we often talk about our faith as being love in action. So to move more clearly into that and live that out, the goal is for our national side with love movement, which you'll see here on my stall, to be the umbrella program that promotes actions that make the world a more loving, just, and inclusive place. And President Frederick Gray also reported on the progress of dismantling systemic racism in our institutions. And she shared that 66% of the senior executive advisory team at the UUA are now people of color and 32% of the overall staff. So we're heading in the right direction. And this marks a huge shift in institutional structure and culture from four years ago when Reverend Susan became president of our UUA. In fact, to further cement and encourage that work throughout our congregations, delegates voted to adopt the UUA statement of conscience, affirming our commitment to undoing systemic white supremacy culture. Congregations nationwide are encouraged to engage anti-racism work as a core mandate for living into our faith commitments. Sometimes people ask me, why are we doing this work? This looks like justice work. Well, just this kind of justice work, making the world more inclusive, more loving is exactly what our faith is about. Because for you use this work of greater inclusion and dismantling oppressions is essential spiritual work for siding with love. It's how we live out our values. Delegates also voted to engage with three actions of immediate witness, which are concerns that UU congregations are encouraged to participate in. And these actions of immediate witness included to stop voter suppression and partner for voting rights and a multiracial democracy, 
to defend and advocate with transgender, non-binary and intersex communities, and to support justice, healing and courage around the COVID-19 pandemic. These AIWs all speak to ways we can better side with love. Another really exciting piece I wanted to share with you is the work of the Article 2 Study Commission. So what is Article 2? It's a UUA bylaw that includes our seven Unitarian Universalist principles and purposes, as well as the sources of our faith. And essentially, it describes the wider covenant and commitments of our Unitarian Universalist faith. Remembering that Unitarian Universalism is not set in stone and is constantly evolving with changing culture and theology, which makes us so unique. Our UUA bylaws ask us to revise our principles and purposes every 15 years. I have to share with you that they haven't actually been revised since 1987, which is 33 years ago. So this is major and overdue work for our faith. Since 2017, there's also been a discussion of adding an eighth principle to our seven principles, one which addresses racism directly. This eighth principle is gradually being adopted by congregations around the country, and it's certainly something that Chalice might wish to consider adopting as well. Meanwhile, the Article 2 Study Commission has been tasked to have conversations with thousands of UUs nationwide to discern what's most important to our faith at this time. From those conversations and workshops, they're going to review and rewrite our principles so that we can live into a Unitarian Universalism of both the present and the future. A UUism that reflects and holds us in times of great need, as well as through ethical, moral and spiritual crises. Times, frankly, my friends, such as these. No doubt they will ask us to side with love. The revised principles will be shared at next year's General Assembly and finally voted on in 2023. And then I also want to mention the famous Ware Lecture, which over the years has featured speakers like Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And this year presented Stacey Abrams and Desmond Mead. And they spoke powerfully about what we must do to protect the right to vote around our nation and stop voter suppression. Once again, they called us to side with love in the decisions we make. In fact, Desmond asked us to lead with love. Next year's General Assembly is going to take place in person, we hope, in Portland, Oregon. And future, future General Assemblies will offer the option of meeting both online or in person. So I hope those of you who've never attended might consider attending. It's an inspiring glimpse into the work of our wider denomination. But to whet your appetite, some Chalice members who attended GA this year are going to share their impressions and learnings with you. And we're gonna stop for a meditation and song in between their reflections. But first, we're going to hear from our wonderful young adult delegate, Aitana Sierra Valdez. Aitana. Hi, my name is Aitana. I use she, they pronouns. And I would like to acknowledge Sam Dickerson, Reverend Nika, and the Chalice Religious Education Department who supported my registration for General Assembly. It wouldn't have been possible for me to attend without their support or your generous contributions, so thank you. 
The first time the young adults met, we split up into two race-based caucus groups and created a singular covenant for GA. That afternoon, we published a statement upholding our faith, liberation, and anti-racism. On Friday, many of us attended a teach-in about the UU Common Endowment Fund. We learned that the CEF had gained over $50 million during the pandemic. This growth came from investments in corporations that exploit human labor, promote fossil fuel companies, and even fund Line 3, all of which go against our principles. We got together and drafted a responsive resolution titled, Creating a More Just Future Through Divesting from Pipelines and Investing in Young People. And we received 100 signatures in a couple of hours. By the evening, it was submitted to be deliberated on Sunday. Throughout the week, we ran into obstacles and felt frustrated, sometimes tired. But the fire of commitment burned brightly and we didn't slow down. Responsive resolutions are a way to formally address the UUA and shine light on important matters. The resolution passed with 80% of delegates voting in favor. There wasn't time or an opportunity for the young adults to come up with something more substantial, but we were so passionate we didn't want to wait for this to be addressed. We also wanted to begin rekindling support and relation with the UUA. In the report from the Commission on Institutional Change, it is stated that, quote, a tragic and indefensible fact is that we have not reinstated a national youth leadership program or young adult program, end quote. Apparently said programs haven't existed for more than 10 years. This faith is not perfect. It never has. And sometimes it can be hard work. But without it, there would be no faith. And the work is never done. This was my first time working in business and policy, and it won't be the last. Because many of us, including myself, are continuing our work with the board of the UUA to create something stronger. This work is a priority for us. This work is sacred and it is bonding. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 17, it says, quote, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. End quote. I met my faith family at GA and bonded with them in spirit after a year of adversity. Siblings from all over, organizing, teaching and learning, developing leaders, and nurturing the warmth of community. I look forward to the day we can hug and sing and hold hands the same way I've been blessed to do with you all. And I affirm that we are not just the future of this faith. Here and now, we are the faith. Hallelujah! and amen.
I am Todd Hess. My pronouns are he and him. In Stacey Abrams' Ware lecture, she reflected on some of the lessons from her mother. One was to meet people where they are. While she was more talking about where people were on policy issues, she may have also been encouraging us to acknowledge where people are with their attention. It's in that respect that we often check in at meetings. In my case, where I was at this year's GA was fresh off of producing an event for my company in my role as head of the US and Canada together with Pride, TWP. TWP is an employee resource group for LGBTI plus employees and allies. The presentation was Trans and Gender Diverse Inclusion in the Workplace, in which we explored the difference between sex, gender, identity, and gender expression, and how this applies to workplace inclusion. As allies, one of our fundamental duties is to learn on our own rather than leaning on the communities we're trying to support. General Assembly is a wonderful place to find opportunities to do that learning. I will mention two of them. I appreciate the reporting from the care committees, calling out times when the events at GA have caused hurt. In that reporting, I recognize where we fall short, even while meaning to be better. Such misses included ableist language, microaggressions, misnaming or deadnaming, using a name that no longer applies for a trans person post-transition, and others. The second opportunity was a session titled Defiantly Joyful, LGBTQ plus Unitarian Universalism, Past, Present, Future. Presented by Reverend Diana McLean, Mr. Barb Grieve, and Jennifer Kwong. Barb Greaves talked about how his growing up UU helped tremendously in giving him vocabulary as he emerged into his true self. He did acknowledge that there has still been pain, so it was a relative affirmation, not full praise. I hope that our congregation has been more supportive and will continue to improve in welcoming all, including trans and gender diverse people. Jennifer Kwong's story, recorded before the Ware Lecture, clairvoyantly brought us back to Stacey Abrams' point about meeting people where they are. Jennifer was raised as a conservative Christian. His story included talking about how his background gives him credibility, talking with religious fundamentalists. I can quote the Bible like the best of them, he noted. The starting point is deep listening. He explained how marriage equality could be a conservative discussion point. Committed monogamous relationships allows same sex, but still modeled on the cisgender normative. I look forward to the publication of the forthcoming book of the UU Rainbow History Project that the speakers contributed to. This book and session will help me better understand the LGBTQ plus community. May we, with open minds and hearts, continue to move forward, meeting people where they are. I had never been to General Assembly before, but I had heard others talk about how much they enjoyed going in years past. 
I decided to take advantage of the fact that GA would be held virtually this year and offered to go as a delegate. Serving as a delegate would not only allow me to serve the congregation, but also give me a unique look into the business of the UUA. I was also hoping to meet other UUs of color. I didn't anticipate that the opportunities for schmoozing with the Black, Indigenous, and People of Color, or BIPOC, at GA would, alas, take place at the same time as the business meetings I needed to attend. I was disappointed by this at first, but then I realized that there was a chat room just for BIPOC General Assembly attendees, and I started hanging out in that virtual space often. At first, I was intimidated by the BIPOC space. So many of the people there knew each other, either from prior GAs or because they were from the same congregation. I lurked, reading the posts as they flew by, not saying anything. But I discovered something. I discovered that this space was a vital lifeline to many of the people there, allowing them to say to each other what they felt they couldn't say in front of their white UU peers. For example, Gregory Caro Boyd, a BIPOC moderator who kept the voting process running smoothly, smoothly often got kudos from the BIPOC room. People asked if he had a Venmo account that people could drop tips in for him. People joked about giving him a gift certificate for a spa day, which honestly he so richly deserved for being so polite yet so firm in keeping the supporting and objecting speakers moving along. When the music was good, people let the spirit move them. When one musical act dressed and acted in a culturally insensitive fashion, there were some muttered comments. And perhaps most tellingly, there was a lot of discussion in the BIPOC room when the statement of conscience, which would call on congregations to undo systemic white supremacy, was proposed and actually debated. The most moving moment came when Gregory asked for a call and response closing to the voting on Sunday, and the room quoted what he said. The mandate for black people in this time is to avenge the suffering of our ancestors. Wow, I still get chills thinking about it. I'm glad I was able to have this opportunity in glimpse into the BIPOC UUA community and to see how people supported and praised each other. It was very enlightening and heartening. Good morning. My name is Randall and yes, I'm in my car because that's where it's quiet. <laughs> this was my second GA. Both attended virtually, and one of the workshops I attended this time was called Building Beloved Community Through Emotional CPR with Reverend Chris Rothbauer and others. They told the story of a scientist looking for the source of happiness by studying the chemical reactions in neurotransmitters before realizing that happiness involves the whole person and their relationships. And then they went on to talk about what they called emotional CPR. They said that just as CPR can help resuscitate someone's physical heart, emotional CPR is a form of emotional resuscitation through heart-to-heart -heart connection, which could help us in our relationships, within our congregations, and in the broader community. Now, I think of myself as a pretty good listener, and yet I fail regularly. In fact, I was informed just this past week by a loved one how I failed and they were right. So I appreciated the inspiration from this workshop to try to do better. 
So they said the C in CPR stands for connecting with compassion and concern, connecting to the feelings of the other person, as well as holding space for our own with awareness. The P for empower, rather than fixing, judging, or advising, creating space where we can all access our power to heal and move toward wellness. And the R for revitalization and getting to increased energy, feeling more grounded and a greater sense of hope. They shared the Chinese ideograph for listening called Qing. So it has ears, ears, and also eyes, like 10 of them, signifying that we should listen as if we had 10 eyes. The heart, of course, essential for connected listening, but also the symbol for a king or queen, signifying that we should listen as if we are listening to royalty. So they said that we can use emotional CPR as a way to really be present with one another, to hear each other and to recognize that right and wrong aren't necessarily what we need to be focusing on all the time. Sometimes we need to connect with people in their pain. And then the Reverend Chris said something that blew my mind. He said, can you imagine if we were able to train all our folks in our congregations in emotional CPR to be able to go out into the community and have those skills in engaging folks in all the places they're showing up, whether work, volunteer work, social justice work. He said, I had this vision that one day maybe we'll get enough UUs to learn how to do this really well, that when people hear there's a UU in the room, they'll say, oh, we need them over here. They know how to listen. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful if that's what we became known for in our communities that we're serving as the ones who are showing up, bringing heart to heart connection to the work that we do? We have gone through and are continuing to go through so much trauma as individuals, as a nation, as a world. And I'm gonna try and I invite you to try with me to forgive myself for my failures, for feeling tired sometimes, for catching myself, forgetting for a minute that most of the world is still without vaccines and in danger, for wishing that electing someone different meant we could rest now. I invite you to take a deep breath with me and join me in connecting heart to heart empowering ourselves and each other and revitalizing for there's much work still ahead much healing to accomplish and the who we are meant to be as you use calls us to keep on keeping on to keep working to make real the beloved community it's wonderful to get to see GA through all of our different eyes. And you can see that we were all inspired in different ways. So there were actually 18 members of Chalice who attended General Assembly, and I'm guessing that they all had a uniquely impactful experiences. And we now have dozens of additional seminars to watch over the summer for all the workshops we missed when we were in another workshop. It really went from very early in the morning till late at night every day. 
But I think all in all, GA helped reaffirm our commitment to this precious faith of ours.